Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish podcast for independent minds. Hello, hello. Please join me. By going down a rabbit hole on the hottest cultural issue of the day, because it is today, the Thursday poll question at Smirconish.com. Should government bar medical treatment for teenagers seeking gender transition? Yesterday, I read from the Times front page story above the fold in the third hour of the program. The story began this way. A federal judge in Arkansas struck down the state's law forbidding medical treatments for children and teenagers gender transitions, blocking what had been the first in a wave of such measures championed by conservative lawmakers across the country. The case had been closely watched as an important test of whether bans or severe restrictions on transition care for minors which have since been enacted by 19 other states, could withstand legal challenges being brought by activists and civil liberty groups. It's the first ruling to broadly block such a ban for an entire state, though judges have intervened to temporarily delay similar laws from going into effect. So I am asking you in the poll question today, what was the issue from a constitutional standpoint In the Arkansas case, should government, in this case at the state level, but should government generally bar medical treatment for teenagers seeking gender transition? Yesterday, Joshua Silverstein from the University of Arkansas Law School was here. He's a law professor, and we were talking about this case, and I said to Professor Silverstein that as of that moment, I'd not yet read the 80-page opinion from Judge James M. Moody Jr. of the Federal District Court in Little Rock, but I read it last night. It was a very worthwhile experience. Judge Moody saw, heard, listened to evidence for eight straight days, and then in this opinion, he summarized all the testimony, 
he summarized the expert opinions, came then to his conclusions. He concluded that the law both discriminated against trans people and that it violated the constitutional rights of doctors, First Amendment rights. He heard but then dismissed the claims from Arkansas, the state case, that the care was experimental, meaning trans care was experimental, or that it was carelessly prescribed to children. And as I said at the outset, I I do believe this has very quickly become the touchstone issue, the hottest, most divisive cultural issue of our time. Surely one that's going to spur turnout for and against in 2024. And so with that in mind, what I'd like to do, it may sound a little bit disjointed, but I've cut and pasted from the 89-page opinion, and I want to share some of the approach that this federal judge took to this issue. The, The judge is James Moody, again, from the Eastern District of Arkansas. He's a 2013 appointee, interestingly, a son, son of a federal judge himself, educated at the University of Arkansas, got his J.D. there as well. He begins the opinion by explaining that this is all a challenge to Act 626. Act 626 prohibits a physician or other healthcare professional from providing, quote, gender transition procedures to any individual under 18 years of age and from referring any individual under 18 years of age to any healthcare professional for gender transition procedures. What are they? They're defined in this case as any medical or surgical service, including without limitation, physician services, inpatient, outpatient hospital services, or prescribed drugs related to gender transition that seek to alter or remove physical or anatomical characteristics or features that are typical for the individual's biological sex or to instill or create physiological or anatomical characteristics that resemble a sex different from the individual's biological sex. So in this case, what Arkansas was seeking to do, the the Arkansas law was aimed at preventing doctors from administering specifically hormone therapy or puberty blockers to transgender people younger than 18 and also seeking to bar gender transition surgeries. Additionally, this Arkansas law, again, the the first to sort of reach this stage, nearly 20 states going in the same direction, this is the first to have had this kind of a hearing in federal court. In this instance, doctors who provide or would have provided transition care faced losing their licenses or they'd be subject to civil litigation. The law at issue here was one that was vetoed by Asa Hutchinson the now presidential candidate. He said at the time that he he believed it created new standards of legislative interference with physicians and parents as they deal with some of the most complex and sensitive matters concerning young people. His veto, Asa Hutchinson's veto, was then overturned. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is now the governor of the great state of Arkansas. She doesn't see it the same way as Hutchinson. The Authors of the law, the state legislators in Arkansas who were behind this, they say it's necessary. Why? Because they say the risks of gender transition far outweigh any benefit at this stage of clinical study on these procedures. So there was an eight-day trial. 
There were pl- there were expert witnesses on both sides for for the plaintiff, the plaintiff seeking, you know, to to stop Arkansas in its tracks. The plaintiffs argued that Act 626 prohibited transgender transgender to adolescents they needed. And in the way in which the judge summarized the case, he lays out the facts as reflected in the testimony in his court. So, for example, gender identity is not something that an individual can control or voluntarily change. And then there are references to the trial transcript and which of the experts said that. But that's kind of the starting point. The consensus from the medical testimony presented in Arkansas, gender identity is not something that an individual can control or voluntarily change. The lack of alignment between one's gender identity and their sex assigned at birth, gender incongruence, can cause significant distress. And the medical term for the distress is gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria is a serious condition found the judge in Arkansas that if left untreated can result in other psychological conditions and they include depression, anxiety, self-harm, suicidality, and the impairment of functioning. The judge also concluded in this case, based on the expert testimony that was presented, that it's widely recognized in the medical and mental health fields that for many people with gender dysphoria, the clinically significant distress caused by the condition can be relieved only by living in accordance with their gender identity, which is referred to as gender transition. Okay, you get it? Like, this is the way you help individuals with gender dysphoria. To the extent they want to do it, you allow them and facilitate their transition. That can include dressing, grooming, using a name, using pronouns. And for adolescents and adults, it might also include gender-affirming medical care, meaning medical care that would align a person's body, in this case, uh, a minor, because that's what's at issue here, somebody below the the age of 18, with their gender identity. Something that we've talked about here uh, a great deal anytime this has come up, why why does it seem like there are so many more individuals today who fit in this category than at any other point uh, in our history? And the judge addresses that, again, based with citation to testimony presented in his courtroom. Quote, there is evidence of a rise in referrals to gender clinics in the United States in recent years. The increase in gender clinic patients is not surprising given the undisputed testimony that there's an increase in awareness of gender dysphoria and an increase in the number of gender clinics and insurance coverage for treatment, making such care available when it previously was not. So that's his answer. Is it a fad? It's not a fad, according to the testimony presented in the Arkansas case. In fact, more to that point, if any adolescents are seeking care at gender clinics because of social influence, 
They would not meet the criteria of gender dysphoria or be considered for gender-affirming medical treatment unless they had a long-standing incongruent gender identity and clinically significant distress. What's he saying? That there are a lot of steps here that an individual, be they adolescent or otherwise, need to go through before any of this treatment kicks in according to the standard of care. He also says that there's uniformity among experts on all of these matters and cites the Arkansas chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics, the Arkansas Academy of Pediatrics, the American College of OBGYN, the American Academy of Child Adolescent Psychologists, the American Academy of Child Adolescent Psychiatry, the Arkansas Psychological Association, and other scientific and medical associations. He lays them all out. Like, among the experts... They're all on the same page. I'm I'm trying to share with you what I learned reading this 89-page opinion last night, because I found it very informative. So what's the standard of care? Well, first you need to know that there are two professional associations, the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. I'm not sure how to say it, but the acronym is WPATH and the Endocrine Society. And they have published widely accepted clinical practice guidelines for the treatment of gender dysphoria. Much of this in terms of what what what's at issue in the Arkansas case relates to puberty. So let me just remind everybody that the onset of puberty for girls is between eight and 13 and for boys, it's between nine and 14. So pre puberty, pre puberty. What are we talking about here? What, what is made available to young folks with gender dysphoria? Pre-puberty, nothing except family support. I think this is really important because there's a perception out there that, that you've got individuals who are, you know, seven and eight and nine uh, who are all of a sudden being offered these different paths. That's not the case. Under the WPATH standard of care and endocrine society guidelines, before puberty, treatment is focused on support for the child and family. Some prepubertal children may socially transition. No medical interventions are indicated or provided for the treatment of gender dysphoria in these cases. Okay? Prepuberty, nothing's going to happen except family support. Then comes treatment offered after the onset of puberty. Let me break because I don't want this part to be interrupted. TC, you're my barometer. Don't, don't, come on, don't be dishonest with me. No, this is important because, frankly, I'm not going to read that whole opinion. Okay. I'm not. And you did, and I'm grateful, and I'm listening, and I'm interested. Well, let me tell you where we're going. Very, very interested in this topic. So let me tell you where we're going. I'm going to lay out for you the standard of care. Right in terms of how are these cases handled, including in the state of Arkansas. And then I'm going to provide some of the family testimony that was offered. Break your heart. It'll absolutely break your heart just to to hear from some of the the kids, because they are, and their parents, and what they're dealing with. Uh, And then we'll talk about how the judge came to his conclusion. All that in just a moment. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. 
Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Don't let your eyes glaze over. This is important stuff. A federal judge in Arkansas this week dismissed the state's attempt at banning gender care for Arkansas teenagers. I guess that's the way that I should say it. Those below the age of 18. And I've already explained that for those who were prepubescent, only family support is offered. And and then comes the standard of care after puberty. So it's individualized based on the needs of the, the particular student uh, uh, patient, I guess I should say. Thereafter, psychotherapy is step one. Puberty blockers, step two. Hormone therapy is step three. Hormone therapy, estrogen and anti-androgens for transgender girls, testosterone for transgender boys may be indicated for some adolescents with gender dysphoria. The subject of genital surgery for adolescents, very rare. As a matter of fact, in the opinion, the judge relying on the expert testimony says that uh, neither three that that were quoted on this issue has ever referred a minor patient for genital surgery. 
quote, with respect to surgeries for minors, the Endocrine Society guideline, that's the standard of care, that and the WPATH, do not recommend any such surgeries until after the age of 18. The WPATH standard of care does not have an age threshold for vaginoplasty, but recommends that it should be offered only to patients under 18 with great caution after a thorough assessment of the patient's maturity. It does not recommend phalloplasty for anyone under the age of 18. In the rare case where a minor does have surgery, what is it? The overwhelming majority of surgeries are chest surgeries for adolescent transgender males. There's then discussion of, well, what is the standard of care in Arkansas in particular? The ACH gender clinic protocols provide that the following criteria have to be met before initiating hormone therapy, meaning estrogen or testosterone blockers for the girls or testosterone for transgender boys. Patients got to be assessed by a clinical psychologist. The patient has to meet the DSM-5 criteria for gender dysphoria. The patient has to have a consistent and persistent gender identity. The patient has to be in counseling with a therapist. The patient's therapist has to be consulted and must not identify any concerns about starting treatment, etc., etc., etc. All of these steps need to be met in Arkansas before hormone therapy is going to be initiated. And then, in the opinion from the judge, Judge Moody in Arkansas, there are stories, family stories, based on testimony of parents and kids as to how they're dealing with gender dysphoria and the concerns that many of them had about this law going into effect. So, for example, you meet the Brandt family. Dylan, who informed his mother of his gender dysphoria, through a letter that he gave to her in June of 2019 when he was 13 years old. And it tells Dylan's story. You meet the Jenin family. The plaintiff, Sabrina Jenin, is 17 years old. Sabrina was assigned male at birth. Her gender identity is female. She informed her parents of her gender dysphoria when she was 15. You meet the Saxton family. Parker is now 17. Parker was aware of his gender identity since around the age of nine. He informed his father in a letter when he was 14. At the time, Donnie read Parker's letter. Donnie's the father. He, quote, didn't have a clue as to what transgender meant outside of what we see in the news and everything. It's a literal quote from his testimony. If someone were to stereotype the most unlikely parent of a transgender child, it would be Donnie Ray Sexton. Donnie is a good and loving father, says the judge. Before Parker turned 18, the Sexton family talked about what they would do if Act 626 were to take effect and Parker could no longer receive testosterone therapy in Arkansas. It was a quote-unquote hard talk. They concluded they would have to pick up and leave the state. After House Bill 1570 was introduced, the possibility of care being prohibited resulted in Parker Sexton going to such a dark place that his father started sleeping near him because of concern that he might hurt himself. You meet the Dennis family in this opinion. Plaintiff Brooke Dennis is 10 years old and in fifth grade. Plaintiffs Amanda and Shane Dennis are her parents. 
Brooke has an older brother and a younger sister. The Dennises live in Bentonville. Brooke was assigned male at birth, but her gender identity is female. Brooke started identifying as a girl in the second grade. The judge then turns to the data. Okay, what does the medical data say about gender dysphoria and the related subjects? Quote, there are 16 scientific studies assessing the use of puberty blockers and hormone therapy to treat adolescents with gender dysphoria. And this body of research has found these treatments are effective at alleviating gender dysphoria and improving a variety of mental health concerns and outcomes, including anxiety, depression and suicidality. The judge cautions that conclusions cannot be drawn from any single study in any area of medical research, but the body of medical research as a whole shows that gender-affirming medical treatments are effective at improving the mental health outcomes for adolescents with gender dysphoria. And by the way, all the, the 16 studies, all the data, it's all there in footnotes. You can access it if you're interested in this subject and you want to know more. Well, what about the risks and side effects of gender-affirming care? Yes, there are some, and they're addressed here. Adverse health effects from gender-affirming medical care are rare, says the medical testimony, when treatment is provided under the supervision of a doctor. The most notable seems to be the prospect of infertility. Quote, it is undisputed that when adolescent birth assigned females birth assigned females with gender dysphoria are treated with testosterone, their fertility can sometimes be impaired. If testosterone follows puberty blockers at certain stages of the adolescent's development, the adolescent can become infertile. These risks are discussed with patients and parents and fertility options are discussed. How about the subject of regret? I had a caller yesterday who said, why don't you book this person or this person? Because, uh, they transitioned and regretted it. To the contrary, the evidence proved that there is broad consensus in the field that once adolescents reach the early stages of puberty and experience gender dysphoria, it is very unlikely they will subsequently identify as cisgender or desist. There are some individuals who undergo gender-affirming medical treatments who later come to regret the treatment, and for some, it was because they came to identify with their birth-assigned sex. This is called detransitioning. This can happen with individuals who medically transitioned as adolescents or adults. Regret over a medical procedure is not unique to the gender-affirming medical care, and it is common in medicine generally. And then I thought this was important because one of the experts who the court relied on in this case, Dan Karasik, Dr. Dan Karasik. In Dr. Karasik's clinical experience treating thousands of, pa- thousands of patients with gender dysphoria over 30 years, none of his patients came to identify with their sex assigned at birth after medical transitioning. Some of Dr. Karasik's patients have halted their medical transition for other reasons such as lack of insurance coverage or fear of losing family support. 
Some of these patients later resumed their medical transition. None of his patients who stopped or paused medical transition did so because they came to identify with the sex assigned at birth. So are there regrets? Do some detransition? Yes, it has happened. Does that represent the, the majority of absolutely not, according to the medical testimony reviewed in the federal court case in Arkansas? This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Let me wrap up. Uh, I should say that, yes, there were experts presented by the state. The defense in this case, the court was less taken with both their credentials and the data on which they sought to rely. The state suggests that Act 626 is consistent with medical guidelines issued. This is just one example of the judge analyzing what the state was saying. The state suggests that Act 626 is consistent with medical guidelines issued by, quote, nations around the world. Their experts referenced guidelines issued by the government's health authorities in Sweden, Finland, and the United Kingdom. But the court finds that the evidence showed that none of these guidelines of prohibited gender-affirming medical care, that none of these guidelines have prohibited medical gender-affirming care for minors. I'm sorry, I mangled that. The court said, no, that's not the way that it is in those countries. So the bottom line is then this. There is, quote, 
no evidence that the Arkansas healthcare community is throwing caution to the wind when treating minors with gender dysphoria. He said that the state has failed to prove that its interests in the safety of Arkansas adolescents from gender transitioning procedures or the medical community's ethical decline are compelling, genuine, or even rational. And as I said, it's a significant outcome because it's the first to get to this stage. Uh, Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders backed the plans for an appeal and declared this is not uh, care. It's activists who are pushing a political agenda at the expense of our kids. Sorry if I went on longer than than perhaps was necessary, but that's that's the summary of the 89 page opinion that I prepared to talk about this case, setting up today's poll question, which is as follows. Should government bar medical treatment for teenagers seeking gender transition? The court in this case decided no. Your thoughts? Telephone lines are now open at 855-486-1776, 855-486-1776. The decision hailed as a significant victory for the LGBTQ community, delivering a dose of certainty for transgender youth in Arkansas, who for the last two years have been worrying about losing access to puberty blockers and hormones. It applies only to Arkansas law. But other states are now taking a look at the opinion in the same way that I did. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.